building a culture. And I think it's a culture that will change venture. It's, it's a culture that puts us in their shoes of the founders or, and, and because we've walked in there and enable us to really be of value. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. 20 Minute Leaders is a proud supporter of Make-A-Wish Israel and Tech2Peace and is in proud collaboration with Secret Chord Ventures, J Ventures, Riverside FM, Fusion VC, Birthright Excel, J Impact, Leap, Google for Startups, and Hippo, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Hello and welcome to 20-Minute Leaders. Today we're going to be talking to Aaron Zucker, founder and managing partner at Sapir Venture Partners, a pre-seed and seed stage fund investing in Israeli founders in Israel and in the U.S. who are commercializing deep tech. Sapir operates through a mentorship-driven model, where the diligence process essentially builds a relationship that allows Sapir Venture Partners to add meaningful value beyond capital as these new ventures create foundations for long-term growth. Before founding Sapir Venture Partners, Aaron was a serial founder, launching and building startups in Israel and in the US. He is a recovering attorney, just like everyone else is in Israel, with an LLB from Hebrew University in Jerusalem and holds an MBA from MIT Sloan, where he also completed the entrepreneurship and innovation track. He is also the executive director of Mass Challenge Israel. Mass Challenge Israel is the largest accelerator program in Israel that does not take any equity from founders. They are a nonprofit organization with a global footprint working with over 3,300 experts who mentor and judge the companies in their core accelerator competition. Mass Challenge Israel is based in Jerusalem. From there, they have accelerated over 300 new ventures who have gone on to raise over a billion dollars going to have such a such a great time over these 20 minutes 20 short minutes but they're going to be very meaningful um your your journey is such an an awesome and inspiring one for so many different capacities from an entrepreneurial capacity from a mentorship capacity investing capacity volunteering academia so many different things to to touch upon it's very evident um through also the bio that we just read to the audience uh, listening here that you're taking part in so many different passion passion projects that are also very much in line with with the business world um and and so i'd love for you to help me just connect the dots a little bit and we'll start there connect the dots for me throughout your career what's been guiding you what are really some of the big stepping stones that you've identified as meaningful to your own sort of personality your own leadership um let's start from there and then we'll dive into some of the more concrete items so <laughs> that's a really good question to start with, right? Because I now that you kind of got a glimpse of what I've done, there is a common thread, right? And I would say the common thread is definitely about helping people. So it's about helping others achieve. And I guess that's kind of like my own understanding of where I can be most influential and impactful in the world myself to help others realize their dreams. I realize that, yeah, I may be an optimist or maybe a realist, uh, but I'm necessarily the creative mind enough to come up with something brand new. I'm a doer. I like getting things done. But when I meet people who need help getting things done, that's what we try to do. So that's, that's the mentorship. That's the volunteering you were talking about. But it's also been 
along the road, I've had lots of opportunity at those different junctures that we all get to, to really be able to pick the people I do it with. And I, I feel privileged, not that I had the choice, we all have choices, but that I've met those people. And when I met them, and at the end of the day, whether they know it or not, they have been impactful mentors to me. And so today, most of my work is focused on being that type of person for the next generation of founders, not necessarily in age generation wise, but definitely people who are out there trying to make an impact, grow something new, make it big and, and have a positive effect. Uh, and we can help enable that through that journey. So I, that would be the thread that that's common. I'm happy to give specific examples. Yeah, yeah, please do. Please do. So crazy story that that at the time I couldn't believe was happening. I, I had graduated law school at Hebrew University. Yeah. And as you know, here in Israel, you have to do a year of stage of your internship. <laughs> yeah. And because it's such a competitive field, especially in Israel, where you throw the stone and you'll hit a lawyer, right? Everybody here went to law school. Um, yeah. You signed up to your internship role already at the beginning of your second year out of a four-year program. So you're committed way in advance before you even learned enough to understand what you want to do. And I had committed to a firm that actually I was thought I was going to be working in the space of startups, intellectual property, uh, venture capital, and get some experience there. And that firm, right when I was graduating from law school, had split up. <laughs> and the group that was doing all the work that was interesting to me, the startups, the venture capital, fundraising, working with founders, didn't take any of the interns. And the other group, the larger group, kept all the interns and I was supposed to be doing work that I didn't want to do. I was there for three days and I wow. realized that culturally it was a terrible fit. We were just, not, it was not going to work out well. And so I went back to the VARD Association and I told them that this isn't a good fit. They said, you have two weeks. If you can't find an alternative internship in two weeks, then you're going to lose the cycle. So after four years of school, I'm going to lose my cycle and get thrown off track for my career. And it was definitely very, very stressful. I interviewed in three places. And one of them, it was just by happenstance. They had somebody who was doing a lot of work in English. As you can tell, I have native English. And uh, that person was going out and leave. They asked me to kind of step in. Turned out to be an amazing experience. Got to learn so much, met amazing people. Uh, and if I had not taken the risk of walking away from the other place and, and putting my career trajectory on hold, uh, I would never have met. Right. What, what lesson are you taking with you from that occurrence? Um, on, you know, on a greater level to your, to the rest of your journey, because it sounds like this is a pretty, pretty foundational experience that, that gives you a lot of clarity as to your own sort of the, the different things to prioritize and, and where you want to be focusing your energies on. So I think I learned a lot of things from that and, and it fits with things I was doing already before that. But the idea of being bold, taking risks, that's at the end of the day what we do today as investors. We're taking that risk on other people. And in that case, I was taking a risk on myself. Similar thing when you, when you did the same thing, going to Stanford, getting up and leaving Israel, going to learn in the U.S., Super expensive, right? There's a lot of costs involved, whether it's actual tuition uh, or the cost of living. I went with a family. So there was a lot of risk there. These are times where I'm taking risks on myself, that I'm going to figure it out, that I'm going to be able to leverage the skills, the network that I have 
in order to be able to, to make myself successful, though defining what success is obviously at the beginning of the journey and then where you end up may be very different. And so you also need to be able to internalize that and appreciate that. And in that regard, I feel I've been very lucky. I love it. How does investing and um, working in, in the tech industry in general, how does that satisfy a lot of your passions today? And, and soon we'll get to the whole mentorship aspect. But, you know, you're coming into it from a because a lot of the things that you're doing are obviously very, you know, they're very, um, very communal, community driven, a lot of giving. And so I'd like to connect, you know, the business world to that through your eyes. So I'll actually make a distinction between business and tech, right? So yep. I think tech has propelled us forward as a species, right? It's, it's crew. We've been able to do amazing things and we will continue to do so. And it's accelerating at a pace that is, you know, we couldn't believe it today. And I'm sure we're going to look back in 10 years and think that we were slow in dinosaurs. And, and that's fascinating to be that fast paced things happening. You mentioned before that, that I volunteer. One of the things I volunteer is as an EMT. Yep. Yeah. So you're meeting people in crisis and you're helping them in their greatest time of need. And it could be a very stressful environment where things have to get done and you don't want to make mistakes in people's lives. And actually, my father-in-law gave me a lot of insight around that. He said, one of the reasons I continue to do that is because you can see your impact in a more immediate way. It's, it's a hmm. shorter time frame. When you're investing in super early stage companies, it could be a decade before you see their returns, before you can see even the impact and results. Think of how many pivots and funding rounds and the economy going up and down. There are so many challenges they still need to overcome. And so I do love that, right? Because that's part of, you have to be able to love the journey as well. And so the key to having a great journey is the people that you do it with, that you go on that journey on with. And that's what we're asking founders to do, essentially. They're, we're asking them to let us join them on their journey. In a small way, we're going to help. We're going to carry the load. We're going to be there. But at some point, we may not be relevant. And we've had multiple companies, many companies, our portfolio that have gone on to raise their A, their B, their C. At that point, we're early stage. We're pre-seed, seed. That's the world we know. Those are the companies we've built. Um, and then we've handed them off. And that's what we do now with our investments as well. Interesting. So... Going now to quickly the foundation of Sapir Venture Partners. Tell me a little bit about that story. What, what led to that and a little bit about the strategy. And then we're going to focus on mentorship. So Sapir spun out of my angel activity uh, where I had started uh, I, as an angel fund. Basically, people who had invested with us as founders, as entrepreneurs, uh, had made some money with us, not a lot. And, uh, were willing to give me another chance while I was seeing these amazing opportunities, amazing founders, and we're writing very small checks. But when I looked back after a couple of years of doing that, we had 12 companies in the portfolio and they were doing pretty well. Uh, some are still doing very well. And I was thinking about what next. I had just kind of transitioned out of one company. We had sold another startup, uh, Gen 9 that we had built in Boston. And it was the right time for what's next another company, go all in on investing. And I was suggested by somebody with some relatively deep pockets that I go full-time on the investing. And this was the end of 2016, beginning of 2017, where a lot of the micro VCs that we know today were popping up um, and starting to get traction. The ones who were really early started to get bigger. And there was so much happening. And so I stopped and I said, you know what? 
why do I need another venture capital fund? What do I add to this ecosystem? And I went and built a pitch deck for myself. <laughs> and then used it to pitch my venture partners and then investors. But first, a debt for myself and just looking at the ecosystem, looking at the map, where do we add value? Why, what's the justification for us to exist? And the answer actually came to me from a very specific story. So we were very early, uh, or the first equity round in Tomorrow IO. At the time, they were Climacell. Three Israeli founders in Boston at Harvard and MIT. Great, great, great guys. And I met them through the MIT network and I was spending time with them, working on their decks, go to market, pricing, Amazing. business model. I love the nice company. Weekends, hanging out with the guys. When I was traveling regularly to Boston, I'd spend some of my time with them. Uh, they're still great friends today and I pulled them in to speak as guest speakers. But at the time, they were going through that equity round and, and Shimon, the CEO, and I were talking yep. and telling me about his debate. Right? Does he take money from a less known VC where they love the partners? Did he take money from a very well known VC where they didn't think the cultural fit was as good? They had a bunch of angels that could be strategic. They couldn't take everybody. What do you do? And it was just thinking through it with them. And then they invited me to join that round, which was an amazing opportunity. And we're very glad that we did and we wish we had more to put in at that time. Um, but when I thought about it afterwards and I was thinking about that, a, we clearly added some value there, right? We had value to add from our experience to kind of mentor them, which is why we call it mentorship-driven investing. And it is a hard transition from being a founder, an entrepreneur, somebody who gets things done, an executive who makes things happen, to being the cheerleader, the support for these founders. And that was definitely hard. But that's where we kind of hinged on this mentorship-driven investing, where we, only where we can add value. And actually, our diligence process is creating that mentorship. So we try to add value before we even invest capital, which means we're working with founders for a longer period of time. Just to give you an anecdote, we made no new investments in 2021 with the craziness of what was happening. With huh. nine days to term sheet and two weeks to close, that doesn't work for our model. And so we definitely missed on some companies, but we're meeting companies today who were able to get in some capital then and now realize that they need helpful capital. What used to be called smart capital, I don't think we're that smart, but we do try to be helpful. And we're getting in on deals today that have now been de-risked a little bit with capital from 2021. And now we can invest in 2022 and build on that to work with these founders to take them to the next phase, especially in the challenging markets that we're navigating today. Wow. Okay. So tell me just a, a little bit about the mentorship process that you work with the founders. How do you build that trust? What is that? Obviously, it's going to be it's going to be a different process for everybody. But from an entrepreneur's perspective, what well, when you talk to me about you know potential mentorship that I could be getting as as a young entrepreneur and helpful mentorship, what what does that look like for me? What is the relationship that I'm going to be experiencing myself? throughout, you know, both the initial phase of getting to know each other as well as a little bit later on? So um, I guess there's two phases uh, or two different paths. One is if we're the lead investor and one if we're not the lead investor. So if we're not the lead investor, obviously we want the lead to be somebody we trust and we know. And I think we've built a nice brand in the, in the ecosystem where we're invited into certain rounds and then they know where we specifically can add value. And that'll be where most of our conversation is around. It could be around the tech development, around the process of spinning out of a university lab. It could be 
It could be around the go-to-market, it could be about hiring. Um, that's very specific. So we can, we'll go in and we'll just spend time with the founders like any investor does. We'll get to know them. We'll get to see how they think. And if we'll evaluate, can't we really be helpful to them, both as far as the personal connection and as far as the specific need we're being asked to contribute on. When we're the lead, which we definitely like to do, but we can't always do. Uh, when we're the lead, it's it's much, much closer relationship. So with companies that we sit on boards, we speak to the CEOs, the founders every week. We block off an hour of time and we tell them, this is your time to talk to us about whatever you want. You want to just vent, you want to talk politics, you want to tell me what's happening with your family, that's fine because my goal there is to be a distressing element because they're CEOs, they're founders, they have a lot to juggle. And the way to build that is by getting to know how they think and for them to get to know how we think. And that takes time. And so we'll often spend a lot of time thinking about their technology development plan, their team development plan, and their financial plan. Not because we care about the details and we don't know how to build their technology and their business better than they do. It's just because that allows us to get into their finds and understand how they think, to get to understand their assumptions, challenge their assumptions, see how they respond and how we interact, right? So if we think about it, we're trying to be part of the team. And in order to have that team be effective, we need to get to that period of storming where we're not in agreement so that we can get to that norming and figure out how we will work together even when we're not in agreement. That sounds a little extreme. And it, ha- it does happen, but it actually ends up being really, really powerful relationships. And I could say across 30 companies we've invested in, I feel like we've only failed at that once. Wow. I mean, at, at the end, it's a, I mean, a lot of the things that you were talking about, you know, they may sound um, adversarial to an entrepreneur's process, but obviously they're exactly what this whole process is about. You, you started this conversation, you talking about the analogy of, you know, that early stage companies, sometimes it takes a decade to see the results and you make endless pivots along the ways and you have to navigate through different market structures. We're seeing that now. And at the end, being able to live in this disagreement reality, but in a fruitful way, where a foundation of trust was built. And it sounds like you're prioritizing that foundation of trust to be a cornerstone of the due diligence process. That's what's going to allow a group of great thinkers to think together, challenge assumptions, and uh, and, and become better together. So I can definitely see why, you know, the 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 this mentorship-driven investing is a is a big part of your own life. I mean, I would sum I would sum it up, you know, Founder Collective, I think, said it best. And and I I would love to steal their tagline, but I can't. But hmm. they want to be the investors that they wish they had when they were founders. And that's definitely who we want to be. Uh, we've been in the trenches. We've had great investors. We were very lucky with some of our investors uh, who taught us a lot, taught me personally a lot. Um, and that's who we want to be for them. But in order to do that, if you just are all you know hype and fluff and it's all good, like we saw last year, it's going to be very hard to work together in the trenches when times get tough and times get tough. I mean, we've had multiple companies now where the founders were the ones that did not get along and being able to come in and step in and be that third party to mitigate, to kind of realign them on the vision that brought them together in the first place and overcome whatever challenges or figure out a way to break apart amicably and move forward so that the company doesn't suffer is is a valuable thing to, to be able to do. And not every investor can do that. 
Right. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. If you're looking today at the, the vision that you hold for, for yourself, for Sapir Venture Partners, for mentorship-driven investing, what is sort of the vision that you hold that you're working towards? So ultimately, it's a question we get a lot from uh, potential LPs and LPs yeah. uh, about how do we scale? Because right. we're, not, we're not a fund. We believe ourselves as a firm. Right? We're yeah. building a culture, and I think it's a culture that will change venture. It's, it's a culture that puts us in their shoes of the founders or, and, and because we've walked in there and enable us to really be of value. Um, it also means that we, we often invest in what I would say are underrepresented founders, right? So think about in Israel where, where founders are coming from. We have a yeah. big challenge. Not enough companies are getting spun out of the universities. They're coming out of the IDF. Uh, elite units, uh, intelligence units, they're coming out of other large tech companies that they spin out of and go do their own thing. There's a lot less coming off of campus where we're very active, but also in the U.S. People tend to forget that Israeli founders in the U.S., even if they went to Harvard and MIT and Stanford, they're still immigrants and they're still yeah. going to be dealing with a lot of challenges that the immigrants go through. Even right. as simple as understanding the local culture and how to engage with the market, how to get to your customer, how to understand what the customer is saying so you can build a solution for their problem. We want to be that bridge and continue to do that. So as a firm, we hope to be able to grow with additional people. Uh, hopefully in the future, it'll be founders that we invested in that will have had success and will come back into the fold. We already do that now in Fund2. We've added on uh, three founder advisors, some people we invested in early on and are now advising the, the new uh, founders we invest in. So it's, it's been uh, a great journey so far, but we really are just at the beginning. And we hope to really change the culture specifically around Israelis and in Israel. Fantastic. This is awesome. Uh, Aaron, this was such a, such a fun experience for me to get into your own, uh, your own journey and, uh, and I can start connecting the dots. 20 minutes is not enough, but it's, it's becoming clearly evident how community, mentorship, helping people in, when they, when they, when, when in the time that they need it and how these different activities that you're a part of, we didn't even touch on the fact that you're executive director in Mass Challenge Israel today. Um, so, so it's all coming together. Sounds like the founders that you're backing are very lucky to have you as a part of their family. Uh, and so uh, wishing you best of luck with, with Sapir. As, as, as a firm with culture and creating a differentiation with culture um, and definitely your work with underrepresented founders, campuses, et cetera. So again, thank you for being here. Looking forward to sharing this and stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you very much, Michael. This was fun. And they even realized 20 minutes went fast. I'm telling you, that's how it is. Thank you, Aaron.